Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking yet again for the second episode with Clay Blanchard, formerly Vice President of Revenue Operations at Calibra, a data intelligence cloud provider. As I mentioned in episode one, Clay has also held senior revenue strategy roles at LinkedIn and Salesforce. Well, if you heard episode one, we talked a lot about how to build a TAM, not just from a initial top-down perspective, but also from a user-based bottoms-up perspective. And we left things hanging a little bit with, okay, well, where do you go next in terms of building out a propensity model? So one of the questions I had as an as a immediate follow-on to our prior conversation is, okay, you've got this TAM model, and as you'd explained before, a dollar, let's say, at a savvy tech software company may not be the same as a, a dollar at a, a slower moving manufacturing company where you need to educate them. So how do you go about providing reps with accounts in a in a fair and equal balanced way? Yeah. So the, the next layer is what I call propensity. We did this both at, at LinkedIn and we, we did this again at, at Calibra. And what we did is we looked for variables that are correlated to win rate. They may vary depending on your business. Now, so I just want to, you know, I'll talk about the ones that we ended up landing on, but this is something where you do need to do a bit of modeling work and try to parse the signal from the noise. Some variables may show up more dramatically than others, depending on your business. So for us, three of the the most critical ones that showed up, um, number one is sector. We observed meaningful and statistically significant differences in performance across sector. So that was one where there was definitely a, a good signal. Second was user growth. So we talked about this a little bit in the last session, but using LinkedIn Sales Insights, you can get to user growth or growth in your targeted users, which is a very good signal and certainly at both Calibra and LinkedIn, it was a very clear indicator and uh, and pretty reliable variable for us to use. And then, you know, from there, the, you know, you, you'll find other variables. Another one that we used at Calibra, we, we used for a period of time, we used a, some data from a company called HG Insights. They had data on spend in our category and not just on our software, but on related software products in the ecosystem. And it turns out that for for us, it was a really good leading indicator if companies had invested in some of the related products in the ecosystem. And we were able to get some data on that. And so that was another variable that, that we added to this propensity model. Each of you at your companies will have to do this exercise and find where the signal is. But Having found those key variables, ideally what you'd like to do is distill them all into a single propensity score. You know, again, we, you know, different companies have different structures. At, at LinkedIn, we had a, you know, we had an analytics team that did some of the, the heavy lifting on the, the math for this. You want to distill it to a single score that's a, it's a, it's a synthetic score that kind of is, is a weighted view of how these variables will impact likelihood to win. And then what we did is we took that propensity score and layered it on top of TAM. Let's take an example. You've got, you've got an account that has a raw TAM, just the dollar figure of a million dollars, depending on what sector it was in, whether the users are growing and how much tech spend, 
that that might get there was a multiplier basically on that. So it it might be if if it's very favorable, it might actually be 1.2 or 1.3 million. If it's unfavorable, it would be weighted lower and might be you know 800k or 700k. And so we we kind of applied that and and we ended up instead of that raw TAM dollar figure, we had more of an expected value figure that we call bookings potential. And so now you really have a tool to build very fair and equitable territories. We would we used bookings potential to say, hey, we want to make sure each territory in a given segment has a comparable amount of bookings potential. And then the other thing we did is we used that that bookings potential, that expected value, and we tiered every account. And we tried to make sure that every territory had a reasonably similar proportions of tier one, tier two, tier three, and tier four. Uh, so let me just pause there. That's a that's a pretty big and fairly technical download. I'm following you because I did do a version of that at, at my prior employer where we we looked at the likelihood that accounts would become opportunities. And most of the signals, like the ones you talked about, firmographics, demographics, intent, you know, and so on, were all factored into that probability model. And then once something became an opportunity, there were less variables that determined whether or not we would win. And then yet a third one, which was kind of your TAM piece, which is if you win the deal, then what's the dollar size? I really love your point about then subsequently layering on, and this is so important, that tier one two, three, four mix, because the the mistake that one can make if you don't do that is that you dump like a thousand tier four accounts into someone's territory. And that can be a very, very difficult territory versus something that has a, a pretty good mix of, of tier ones and tier twos. If you look across all the go-to-market resources, you'd ideally like everybody to be able to look at these tiers and use them to be able to divide and conquer. So, so something along the lines of, as an example, you know, you want your reps to be able to sit down with their BDRs and say, hey, I'm going to go I'm going to go call on tier ones. So why don't we you know, have you not touch those? And why don't you you hit tier two and tier three? And then, hey, marketing tier four is really going to be a cohort that needs some extra touches from our digital services. We need to educate them. We need to make sure they're hearing our name. So those we would target with some extra marketing air cover to kind of bring them along their journey. So it just gives that framework for more effective use of, of various resources across the go-to-market. I think the one the one thing I would call out, Jeremy, so all of what I've shared so far is really oriented mostly towards acquiring new logos. There is, as you become more mature as a company, eventually you'll start to care more, not just about can we win them, but to care about whether or not they are going to be successful using our product. And I I call that out because it is a different, you know, if you think about kind of LTV to CAC, we've been talking mostly about the CAC side, and not about the LTV side. For most younger companies, you don't have enough data to to do a robust calculation of LTV. But as you start to to grow and you get enough customers, enough transactions, enough years of usage under your belt, at some point, probably in the 500 plus million revenues, you will want to think about revisiting this whole framework and layering on that LTV aspect. 
So not only how likely are they to buy in the first place, but how likely are they to buy and stay? And how likely are they to buy and expand? And that will become more, more important as, as you grow as a company to figure out which types of customers are we going to prioritize because they've got more long-term value. Is the expansion metric simply the TAM minus the, or with the adjusted TAM, the propensity TAM minus the penetration so far, or is it something even more sophisticated? That is the way I think about the potential. So if you're applying our, our bookings potential to a customer, you know, if the, if, if the bookings potential is a million and you've already booked 200K, then you've got 800k in remaining bookings potential. So, so yes, but when I when I think about LTV, there's two aspects. One is how likely are they to retain, and the average length that they stay with you, and then number two, how likely are they to grow? So, you know, kind of like an NDR type of of metric. Those are going to really help you understand. Again, the, 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 the likelihood that they are to succeed and expand with your product. And that typically in a first round of segmentation, you don't do, especially at a younger company, you don't do that because you don't have enough data. You need to have years of, of customer data to see how they perform with your products. Yeah, it makes sense. If you're in year one with a company, the likelihood that they're going to make it to year two is actually lower than if you were in year three with a company trying to make it to year four right? Because they've already had a, a significant foundation of value. They probably have done some custom integration work. There's a lot more stickiness at that point. So all of these factors can affect your, your future account potential. For sure. For sure. And I, I think, you know, yes, if, if you have a data science team, there's, there's uh, some incredible things that you can learn. And not all of them are intuitive. For example, there are, depending on your product set, there are often inflection points in a in a customer's journey with your product where they they buy some early and then they flatline and then they they they're taking up very very slowly until they reach some critical mass at which point they reaccelerate and again depending on your product set that that may not be intuitive where is that next inflection point where's that critical mass point it becomes really powerful and really interesting if you can figure out where that sits and, and you can say, hey, once, you know, once they pass 20%, you know, penetration, they tend to really accelerate because they're getting so much more. Now they're getting so much more value out of your product and to know where that is. And you can talk to your customers about it and say, hey, our best customers, this is when they saw the value take off. As you reflect, I, I guess, on, you know, on, on building all of this you hit at in our prior episode some of the some of the change management aspects and expectation setting with the with the sales force besides working within sales and and revenue operations i'm kind of curious how you manage potential conflict slash partnership with the marketing team i'm always looking for better ways to collaborate cross functionally as as our listeners are as well so any any tips for doing that yeah i mean I, you know it it starts with if, if you happen to be doing this exercise for the first time, including that as a part of the working team um, and, and taking their input on board. And I think that's one reason why I think this, this worked quite well at Calibra. We worked really closely with the marketing team. And especially at that, at that early stage in building TAM, 
we we were really depending on our product marketing team to tell us, you know, who are the target titles? And we actually, not only did we come up with the titles, but we actually grouped them into six different personas. And, and so those became a shared common language that, you know, the, the sales team had and the marketing team had, and they all, they, they, they understood it the same way and they all had their opportunity to, again, to input into it. So if you can include them as, as kind of founding and authors of it, I do think that goes a long way. If you're at a larger company, you may be taking, you may be inheriting a model and it might, it might not have had that, you know, more collaborative feel in its, in its kind of initial authorship. And so in those cases, it might be worthwhile in doing a refresh. And typically these are refreshed every year, as you know, Jeremy, it's a bigger project once you start to involve other functions, but it might be very worthwhile to say, Hey, for next year's fiscal plan, we, we're going to refresh our TAM model, and we really want to gather everybody's input. Here are the variables we've looked at in the past. Here are some new variables that you know we have. Maybe we've got you know a new data source. Maybe we've got more historical data to look at, and we'd really like all of you to be a part of it. You know, find somebody who can be on the core working team for that TAM refresh. I, I think it's well worthwhile if you can get everybody singing off the same page, it does make a big difference. And then also, if you think of top of funnel, you would love for for marketing to be taking the same variables into account for top of funnel marketing as you are when you build sales territories. If they're using shared shared variables, shared metrics, I think the outcome is is going to be much more coordinated. Yeah, that's it's so fundamental. We we we've been talking to many portfolio companies as well lately about account based marketing and account based ABX in general, and so core to that is that there is total alignment on the target account list. Right, it's that is almost one hundred and one. If that does not happen, you you have marketing off doing sophisticated account based marketing motions with accounts that the sales team doesn't care about. Right, so if they generate an MQL in the process, then that just sits fallow. So I, I second the motion on on that. Just a, a quick reaction there. You know, I think where where you can run into trouble is that what what makes an account valuable to a to a sales rep or, or a frontline manager? Well, you know, if there's a hot lead or if there's like a great relationship or if they they've they've discovered you know something that suggests hey we 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 have a real opportunity today with this company so this 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 notion of like we've got something near in we can we can smell that we can sniff the puck as it were and sometimes the the variables and the factors that that contribute to that kind of sales intuition if you will are are different and separate from the variables that you have available in your in your data set we want to actively surface those and then have a dialogue. Okay, well, tell me a little bit more. What are the signals you have? Tell me more about the information that you have that is not showing up in our data. And if it, if it makes sense, we will adjust. We want to have an opportunity to have that dialogue. And that's likewise where, where the marketing team also would say like, well, I'm not seeing, I'm just looking at the uh, at the bookings potential, I'm looking at the firmographics and I'm not seeing it. Tell me more about what, what, what insight you have that suggests this is gonna be a great account next year. Super great point in 
my own experience there, we we had built this account propensity model at one of the places I worked, and it had all the you know demographics, firmographics, and so on in there. And we brought it to reps, and we used a pilot group initially, and we said, "Hey, look at this account list. Tell me which ones feel right, which ones feel wrong." And then we looked at the list that felt wrong, and they said, "Okay, what do you? How do you know that?" And they would look at the counts of users using Boolean searches and so forth in, in Sales Navigator. And we said, ah, okay, so now what we need to do is we need to source some job posting data. And there's some great providers out there for that. And uh, it took about, about a month and a half or so and, and put that in there. And lo and behold, it dramatically in, in improved our, our booking propensity. Well, again, Clay, another great session. Thank you for session one, going over how you build a bottoms-up TAM model and, and session two on, on how to build propensity. These are, these are more advanced plays for sophisticated scale-ups. I think you'll find them invaluable. Clay, thanks again so much for being on. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog, at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.